prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to an off-season edition of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. Off-season mode for the Raiders, but um, there's always news going on. And Vic and Deshaun, you guys broke the news last week that Jimmy Garoppolo had foot surgery. And he was not out there for OTAs, and Josh McDaniels acknowledged that. Um, he you know, declined to, uh, to acknowledge or confirm the surgery, but... Um, you guys were able to report that that at the time that he signed, uh, they yeah, obviously we all know what happens. You, you you sign, you come in for a physical, and there was that mysterious waiting that you guys did about two hours, however long it was, just sitting in there in that media room waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo. They had been posting videos of him on Twitter, of him being around the facility, and he was never introduced. Now we know why he went in, had his physical, and it was revealed that he was going to need surgery. Something that didn't happen when he initially got hurt. And that led to a, a reworked contract, an injury waiver. And now the, the Raiders are in this position where Garoppolo, I guess we hope that he'll be back for training camp, but it's it's a missed offseason period for him again. And now it's with a new team with a wide receiver that you know needs to uh, you know, needs to get up to speed with him, uh, with the wide receiver group. I know the Raiders are saying all the right things, that they're not worried, that no surprises, but... What's our level of concern here? I mean, it, it's not ideal that this guy who was, you know, the, the big thing about the injury diagnosis on the 49ers side was like, well, the guy's going to be healthy for the offseason. And the story of Jimmy Garoppolo is he's not healthy. Yeah, I think you have to have a pretty high level of concern just because it isn't like this is a, a one-time thing with him or the, the first time that we've had this happen. Like, he's he's been pretty consistently injured. That was the big issue with the 49ers is that he just couldn't stay available for an entire season very often. And you know, it's not like he's he hasn't hurt his foot before outside of you know December, obviously. So it's not like it's a recurring injury, but even still, like he's shown that he's a guy that just his body, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to hold up. And that type of injury in particular, um, it's it's always tricky when you're dealing with a foot. And you know, we we don't know exactly why you know he didn't have surgery in December and then would have to have it in March. Um, don't want to speculate too much, but obviously he was pushing to try to come back, and so maybe something happened in between that process um, before he ultimately signed with the Raiders. But there's no guarantee that foot surgery works out. You know, this is a pretty complicated one, and, and we've seen it go bad plenty of times in, in sports history. And you know, it could also lead to other injuries, um, kind of for him overcompensating or things of that nature. And so. And, and then the other thing about it is they don't really have a alternative if he does go down. It's not like with the 49ers where they had Trey Lance sitting there and they didn't know it necessarily, but they had Brock Purdy sitting there too. Like the Raiders have Brian Hoyer as their current backup right now. And Aiden O'Connell, a fourth round rookie out of Purdue, is trying to push him for that job. And I mean, you look around at the free agency market, I mean, the best guy is Carson Wentz, who he wasn't too good last time we saw him. You know, I guess you could try to trade for a guy, but like, I guess it's good for them that they can get out of his contract, but they're they're pretty screwed if they do, you know, have to get rid of him because there's nothing really that they can do at this juncture of of the offseason. Yeah, I think it's definitely not ideal when you give a guy $33 million guaranteed and he needs foot surgery. Probably not the way you want to draw it up. But um, I, I know Josh McDaniel said he's got no anxiety and maybe we're all anxious and the fans are anxious, but he's not. 
a little smug, but whatever. That's the way he, he rolls. Um, I think he should be back by training camp. And, and I think it, let's go with the worst case scenario. If he's not ready and there's talk about voiding this deal, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think they'll probably just rework it because, like Deshaun said, he is the, really the only option right now. There's not many guys out there in the market who um, you can go get. I mean, Brian Hoyer's a stopgap guy if they have to, but I think Jim Grapple is going to be the quarterback, even if it requires a delay. So I don't think they're going to let him go for no money. So I think he should be back. I think the one good thing is he knows the system. That's why he's here, because he knows Josh's systems well. They're comfortable with each other. So that's why he is here in the first place. So you don't need the whole, you know, getting to know the offense uh, sessions like uh, like Derek Carr did. So I'm not as uh, worried, uh, I guess, as um, some people are. Um, again, it's not good, uh, but um, I think it should be okay once we get closer to the season. I think it is a a bigger deal that he misses OTAs. I mean, he hasn't been in this offense since 2016, 17. So it's been a while and he's been in this San Francisco offense and he's been ingrained in that offense for a long time. And this is one of the harder offenses to learn, you know, like you have older quarterbacks that get traded to new teams that don't attend OTAs usually, that start attending OTAs. I mean, Aaron Rodgers knows the Daniel Hackett system. He knows the first system, but he's still at o- for his first OTAs in a long time uh, with the Jets because he's trying to learn his new teammates. He's, um, you know, out there building chemistry with his receivers, and that's something Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be able to do in OTAs. And supposedly he'll be ready for training camp, but, you know, who knows? Like you guys said, it's, uh, it's a foot injury, and sometimes – the timeline for those injuries isn't exactly, you know, crystal clear every time. So I think it is a big deal that he's missing these offseason reps. And it's a big deal that he has the injury history that he does because, you know, I'm not an expert on this type of injury, but like just based on his history, like who knows if a re-injury might occur. And right now the Raiders don't have any options at, at, at quarterback. Like you said, if they have to start Hoyer, then we already know what what kind of season this is going to be. Yeah, I mean, and the big thing is is what 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 is the new diagnosis? I mean, with, with the 49ers, we're fortunate there that that's a team that's very open with with discussing kind of specific injuries. Where you know when he first got hurt, you know there was initially fear that it's a Liz Frank injury, which is a, a certain type of fracture of the foot that that's really hard to come back from. It can be you know a, a long recovery, and then you know they eventually figured out okay, it's only one broken bone. It's not going to need surgery. You know maybe it, it it should have had surgery. I know a lot of people have 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 said, well, why didn't he just have surgery when he first got hurt? Like, well, the doctors told him he didn't need to, and there was. There was a timeline in which had he been, you know, and he was progressing toward that. The 49ers thought that if they had made it to the Super Bowl, if they had won the NFC Championship game, that he probably would have been available as their backup. He would have been the backup to, you know, a healthy Brock Purdy. But I mean, let's say in the world where Purdy gets hurt like he does in the NFC Championship game and they somehow still win with Josh Johnson, he probably would have started the Super Bowl for them. That would be the explanation of why he didn't get surgery then. But, you know, new doctors see new things. Um, and so I think that would be the question. And obviously the Raiders are not a team that's going to be very open with, with discussing, you know, specific injuries. Did it end up being a Liz Frank fracture? And, and is there a long recovery from what they're saying? Probably not, um, because I don't think they would be talking about him being available for week one if that was the case. But um the uncertainty, and I mean, and the fact that for Grapple, this is the second straight offseason. He's gone in the offseason with an injury that wasn't supposed to need surgery. And then 
in March has ended up needing surgery. That was the same thing with the shoulder last year. Um, you know, and that's what ended up, that's the only reason he ended up back with the Niners is because it cratered the market for them to being able to trade him. And they were able to convince him to re-sign a, a deal for a backup. And so I do, I do think that lends itself to the, the idea that, I mean, if he's not healthy come September, they'll renegotiate a deal. I mean, this guy was willing a year ago to sign a deal to be a backup to Trey Lance. You know, he knows he's not going to have many options if uh, if if he's not able to pass a physical and the Raiders don't want to pay him that full money. Yeah, and I will say the, the, the sense that I've gotten is the Raiders are, you know, they're not just you know, throwing smoke out there. They are confident he'll be ready, ready to go by the time the season rolls around. Um, we trust them fully. But, we trust everything you know, they say fully. Uh, you know, it does, but it doesn't seem like it's an injury where there's concern about him missing the season or, you know, I know there's some language in the contract where, where people are thinking like, oh, is this like, are they not going to have him available till next year? That kind of thing. Like it's just, it doesn't seem to be that significant of an injury, but again, like, like foot injuries are, are pretty unpredictable. Like they can think that now and then he could try to come back you know, and progress with his rehab closer to training camp and another setback happens. So it's, it's really what, no way of knowing for sure, but I guess that's any, any injury, but it's just, I think particularly his history is what makes it so, concerning if, if you're a, a fan of the Raiders just because again this is a guy that he's shown that he just his body just you know I don't want to say he's brittle but I mean he, he gets hurt like pretty much every year that he's, he's around he's dealing with something and so it's hard to feel confident that he's going to stay healthy even if he's ready for the start of the season that he'll, he'll remain healthy throughout the entire season if he isn't healthy uh you, you talked about it Brian Hoyer is is the backup with Aiden O'Connell do you guys know Brian Hoyer's record in his last 12 starts oh and 12 Eleven or one? Oh and twelve. He has not won a start since twenty sixteen as a member of the Chicago Bears. The last time he won he started a game and won, Jimmy Garoppolo was Tom Brady's backup with the New England Patriots. It was about three, four weeks before uh Garoppolo no, actually no, twenty sixteen. Yeah, Garoppolo wasn't traded till the next year. Yeah, so it was a full year before Garoppolo was even traded to the forty ers so yeah, that that is the last time Brian Hoyer won a start. I, I just, I mean, I, at, at this point, I think you've got to start grooming O'Connell to be the backup. And I mean, there, there's no value in in Hoyer as as being your backup. I don't think. Well, there's some value, man. His name is Caleb Williams, baby. There's the value <laughs> right there. Yeah. I mean, I think Aiden O'Connell is just as capable of getting you Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that 0 12 record might be a good thing for. I mean, at this, I mean, if, if Garoppolo ain't playing, they're they're cooked, buddy. Like it's this full on, full steam ahead with with the tank program. So I mean, it, I'm sure Raiders fans will be hoping that that losing streak that he has continues. Yeah, I, I mean, I put that out there just when when the Garoppolo. Um, News came out that you know Caleb Williams might be a possibility if Garoppolo's out, and I, I got some blowback because they're like, "We're not as bad as the Cardinals or the Texans," but you got to think this is a team that's supposed to be built on offense. The defense is rebuilding, like always. So if the offense isn't performing and the defense isn't really that much improved, like this realistically could be one of the worst team in football, right? The Cardinals are going to be tough to beat. The Cardinals, that's that they they probably have number one locked up. Like Kyler Murray probably actually isn't probably going to not going to play this year. Like, but if Kyler Murray does play, they'll probably be better than the Raiders without Garoppolo. They cut DeAndre Hopkins. They're they're on a mission. They're like not trying to trade him. Like, I don't I don't think not, we're seeing we're Kyler this year. Around. We're not messing around. We don't we know what we want. They'll be really bad, though. I mean, like, for one, this was a six-win team last year, so it's not like they were, like, good or something. And then, you know, they arguably got worse this offseason, and especially 
if your starting quarterback is Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell instead of Derek Carr, like it's not going to be good, man. So I mean, I mean they, they're probably not going to be that good anyway. You know, honestly, like if we're being frank, you know, even with with Garoppolo, and so without him, it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty ugly. But you know, again, like we think he's going to end up playing. Doesn't mean the Raiders are going to suddenly turn into a playoff team or anything like that, but it it, it should at least be watchable um, if he's out there. All right, so I have a question. What if they, you know, what if Garoppolo misses the start of the year? It's Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell. They start 0-6, and, and the, the tank train is on. Do you go into the deadline and say, I know it's going to be a huge dead cap hit, but let's let's see what we can get for Devontae Adams. He's going to be miserable here on, on, on a tank train. Let's just take the huge dead cap hit. Let's reset our salary cap structure and let's just go ahead and, and trade him. And at that point, they probably can get them. Would imagine if he's having another good season, get a first round pick, and then you're you're look going into next year with a high first round pick and then maybe another mid to late first round pick. We're heading down a dark path here, but um, if they are 0 6, like you say, he's not going to be happy. Devontae Adams, I mean, the comments he made recently are going to be even. Uh, I think he'll double down on those probably, if not more than that. So he won't be happy at that point. I think you have to look at what your options are as far as trading him and moving on and making it a full, full-on rebuild. Um, but uh, again, let's we're, let's let's focus on the positive. This team has a lot of the positive. The positive when they start six and zero, who are they trading? What is the for? positive? The improvements on defense. Patrick Graham Where? here too. I mean, they're, they're, come on, let's let's let's. let's Let's, let's, we're we're going to be honest right, yeah. with our listenership here, right? It's just nothing positive about this situation. Vic has stock in the Duke Shelley fan club. Byron Young, baby, rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. I don't see it being in in the plans, but if they were to trade him after post June one, which it would be obviously if they're if it's during the season, it would be about a eight million dollar dead money hit every year through twenty twenty six. I mean, it's not a, a ton of money to lose every year for four years, but it's also like, are you really trying to lose eight million dollars for eight years or for four years? Like, I don't know. It just seems, it seems very, 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 very unlikely that they would do something of that nature. I, I would say. And that's why you get Tom Brady to come down from the booth, from the owner's booth, to play the game and save the day. TMZ ran a story apparently that if they, I think they had the the owners would have to vote twice, it's like for one to make him a minority owner, and then they they would also they could make another vote where three fourths of the league would have to vote. He could play quarterback technically as an owner. Maybe if the league just really wants to see Tom Brady be a Raider, he could, they can they can pull it off. What is Tom Brady pulling them to? I mean, the Bucks the Bucks were eight and nine last year with Tom Brady, first uh, losing record of his career. I mean, what's he dragging the Raiders to? Five and twelve. They had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of issues. Always on Tom Brady, but uh, with Tom Brady, like I, I think the, our producer telling us a little a note here that I, I want to say was cooked. That's not last year's quote. Said he was cooked. I know you said Russell Wilson was cooked. Tom Brady is cooked, but he's probably better than Brian Hoyer. And probably, probably. Goodness. Good. And I'm just, I know he came out there today and said he's not he's definitely not gonna play again. He's done. That's probably true. I'm 95% true. But again, the Raiders are not your normal team. On the most normal teams, that wouldn't if you guys can be a part owner, that's it, story's over. But I mean, we know the Raiders are they're special. They're a special brand. And you can't tell me that if all goes to hell, that Mark Davis ain't gonna be begging him to play again. And so, um, but again, that's not going to happen. But we're saying, in case we are 0-6, well, 0-6, you're going to play 0-6. you got to be at least uh, somewhat near 500 for me to even think about it. So you got to be somewhere in a ballpark. But who knows? 
what if like training camp comes and then they announce Garoppolo's foot injuries a lot? It's not healing correctly and they have to avoid the contract. At that point, would Brady be thinking about possibly coming down from the owner's booth if he gets that vote? He's going to be watching training camp <laughs> and he's going to watch the defense and he's going to say, fuck no. Tom Brady is not coming back for this. Not for this. I mean, just not yeah, for this. You got to protect just... your investment. You got to protect your investment. I think his investment would be fine. <laughs> his investment would be Caleb Williams. Uh, <laughs> men, 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 mentoring Caleb Williams. Watching Devontae Adams in practice, like, ooh, that guy looks like he's pretty good. I want to throw him the ball a little bit. So I'll get the itch going again. The itch is always there. All right, let's talk a little bit about this defense. Uh, Tashawn, you, you wrote a story that uh, uh, yesterday that uh, the headline, Will the Raiders' defense be worse? Progress from newcomers, returners, uh, returnees is critical. Um, I saw one comment on it that this story could have been one word. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's try to take the optimistic view. I mean, yes. I, we look at this defense. We, we, we're going to try. I don't know if we'll be able to, but uh, we're going to do it. I mean, you look at this defense and they've been bad for years. We all know that. What did they do this offseason? Um, Tyree Wilson with the number seven pick. We don't know what he's going to look like when he get out, gets out there. He's obviously dealing with, you know, coming back from the foot surgery as well back in November. Um, so he should be ahead of the Garoppolo timeline. But I think we always knew we weren't going to see him in OTAs. And that is, that's another one. That's a, that's an injury that's lingered. Uh, I think the hope had been that, oh, he'd be able to test at some point in the offseason for people and never did. You know, the Raiders aren't worried. We'll see. Hopefully he gets out there in training camp. I mean, outside of him, you know, and, and, you know, and the rest of their draft picks, Epps, you know, they bring in uh, Marcus Epps at safety and then, you know, kind of basically replacement depth level guys at cornerback. Uh, we'd all be pretty scared if they rolled out in week one with with this group of cornerbacks. Um, will they make a move? Who knows? But uh, what is it going to take for this defense to be better? Uh, is it just a matter of, OK, these three or four rookies have to step up and be like way better than we expect? Looking at the three levels of the defense, I would say that the one that you feel the best about has to be a defensive line. Because, you know, Max Crosby, one of the best edge rushers in the league, is there and anchoring it down. But, uh, you know, Chandler Jones started to come on strong at the end of last season before he suffered his elbow injury. So maybe if he plays at that level, Tyree Wilson, you know, we, we don't know what he is yet. Obviously, he's a rookie. But if he lives up to his billing, be an upgrade over their third pass rusher last year, he can also play inside. Um, their defensive tackles are bunch of young guys who we also can't really judge all the way like maybe they end up being good maybe not but the the key to the defense you know being at least respectable is that defensive line has to be like elite you know kind of what it was I would say it was a pretty elite group in, in 2021 like not the best in the league by any measure but probably top 10 um, at least when it came to rushing the passer and they were okay against the run you know that can take some of the heat off those cornerbacks to hold up for so long you know, the linebacker group is okay enough to where they can get by. But if that defensive line group is really top 10 or something of that nature, then that could push the, the defense to at least be respectable. But I think that's where, you know, that's really the only hope because they just don't have the talent on the back end. Um, linebackers aren't really going to lead you to defensive success in this modern era of football anyway. So um, I think if you're looking for some semblance of hope, it's, you know, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and Tyree Wilson, you know, just leading the charge up front and, you know, holding it down for them. Yeah, I agree. I think Max mentioned it last week just the chemistry they had in that 2021 unit, how great it was. And I think he's trying to build that again this year. I think Tyree Wilson is a nice piece that, again, if he is ready to go, he has two great guys to learn from and Max and Chandler, two, two role models and show him how to play the game. Chandler, I'm not sure what happened to him last year that when it first he had a rough start. Did, did play better towards the end before he got hurt. He's lost some weight, he said, this offseason. He's, it seems like he's uh, 
in a good place mentally. So, and the D, the D, D tackles, we got two guys from last year who are back. Hopefully, they're, they're um, Farrell and Butler and we have some upside this year. But Lon Nichols did another great year last year. But um, I hear good things about Byron Young. So, there's some, some guys inside who can hopefully stand their ground while the guys on the outside do their damage. Um, so, yeah, it all starts and ends with the D line. I think um, there's so many question marks at linebacker and in the secondary. You have to imagine they'll add some guys there, either a couple of veteran guys, maybe one for each. Each unit, but um, yeah, this team is going to be better. Defense will be better. It's because of the, of the D line. Two guys outside of D line that really need to develop are Divine Diablo, and you know he's had some injury issues last season. But when he did play his first year, he showed some promise, and you know I thought he was going to be a good player for them last year. But obviously, he couldn't stay in a field. So if he's healthy, you know I. There's some talent there, and I think there's he has the ability to develop into a good linebacker, but he has to stay healthy. And Trayvon Morig showed some promises rookie year, obviously didn't have a great second year, so you know, need to see some development and need to see a bounce back season for him. Duke Shelley is also a corner that you know is a guy that could be an up, up and rising corner. So if you get some development from those three guys, you know, it'd be huge for the defense. Um, obviously, there's not a ton of depth there, so the the line is very thin for this defense. You're going to need some development, and you have to stay have some pretty good injury luck uh, uh, for this defense to kind of get to that average point that we've been waiting for this defense to get to for a long, long time. The big question mark, I think, is Patrick Graham. I mean, is he is he a good coach? Is he a good coordinator? We don't really know. I mean, Ziegler loves him. McDaniel's loves him. You hear good things about him from around the league. Uh, last year, he didn't show anything. I mean, he really didn't see, didn't see any reason to believe in the system last year. I know it was a new new bunch of players, yada, yada, yada. But, uh, you know, they got they had too much stuff to, in the system. It took some out, and it wasn't good. And just there's so many question marks about what he can do with this group. So um, we'll find out this year if he really is um, a good coordinator or not. And I think if they, if they don't do well with Raiders this year, he'll be one of the, one, one of the scapegoats. For so many years, like, the DCs that have come in here, like the blame has just all been on the players, right? Ah, we don't have the players, don't have the players, don't have the players. And I get it. I mean, but at some point, coaching has to do something, right? It has it has to elevate the players you have. I mean, if you're drafting guys like, you know, Butler and Farrell last year, I mean, that to me it remains a major disappointment from last season that those guys didn't play at all. I'm like, why? Like, you know, you, the the way the season. I mean, I y'all know though they went on that kind of mid season run where like okay maybe they can flirt with with doing something. But I mean, by late in the season, those guys should have just been playing. Like you know, you've got to just get them their experience, even if it's not going to deliver results in year one. You got to get those guys on the field just to just to see what you have. You got to start developing some some mid round talent in, into some into some production. And I think that the defense for so long has really needs an ass kicker in the middle of that defensive front. I mean, it's great having Max Crosby, but if you can run to the other side and run up the middle, um, you can always find ways to limit what he can do. And you just so badly need an ass kicker up front. And, uh, you know, I mean, those are, those are mid round picks. Those are mid late round picks. You don't expect those guys to come in and be impact players, but the fact that they couldn't get on the field at all to me was disappointing from last season. You know, we, we talk a lot about talent and it is, you know, valid, but you know, we've seen, you know, the example I kept using all throughout last year was the Giants, you know, like their defensive talent, like they have a couple of high impact players, but it's just a bunch of dudes outside of that. And they were pretty solid. And I think from a development standpoint, obviously that's on the coaches, um, you know, part of it is, you know, the players and the work that they put in to develop, but you do expect 
coaches to be able to get the most out of players that maybe you know have some raw tools and haven't been successful in the past and have breakout years or bringing along young players and but I think the the thing that kind of concerned me the most with with Graham last year was you know we you know and I'm not the not like I know all the scheme in and outs like Ted but you saw a lot of what appeared to be you know communication issues alignment issues missed assignments unforced errors and all that stuff feels like coaching like that stuff that you know even if a guy isn't that good you can make sure he knows what the hell he's doing you know and they had a lot of situations where it just looked like the defense was just lost out there and, and giving up big plays um and getting con- consistently beat you know in the same areas of the field like the red zone where they didn't stop a team from scoring in the goal line situation for like 20 t- 20 tries or some shit like that so I think it's just some of those those small things. Like I don't think there was any way the defense could have been good last season, but I think it could have been better um, if the coaching was better. And so Graham, you know, while he still isn't working with much this season, he has to show strides as well. Otherwise, you know, like Vic said, he might end up being a bit of a scapegoat for for how the season goes. The thing is, like we we didn't see a lot of those self inflicted mistakes when he was a defensive coordinator for the Giants, you know, which is why he does does have a good reputation around the league. But then once you get to the Raiders, then there's a bunch of those self-inflicted mistakes. So, you know, maybe it's the players here that are just, you know, mistake-prone type of players or they're just not used to. (laughs) (laughs) Mistake-prone. You you put on the silver and black, man, and and it just follows you, right? I mean, you know, you guys talk to guys around the league. You know, it's not we're we're not making this stuff up. Like Patrick Graham was well regarded by people around the league before he got to the Raiders uh, this year, and you know, it's for a reason. You know, he didn't have a lot of talent to work with in other places, but people respect his defense, and they 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 weren't killing themselves like they they are here, which is seems to be a trend year after year. Hey, Paul Gunther had a good reputation before he came to the Raiders. He did, actually. And uh, and we saw what happened there. All right, I'm going to take a few questions here. Uh, I'm going to start with this one from Armando M. He says, hear me out. I think Mark Davis is setting up the Raiders for the future with having Brady on as a part owner. Davis has always been a fan first and doesn't seem to get the respect of other owners from what we always hear and read. Can Brady come in, change the way the league views the Raiders' ownership? Do you think he'll eventually, I don't know, take over? Essentially, uh, will Tom Brady eventually take over? Um, I'm going to say no. I mean, like if you're Mark Davis, owning an NFL team, especially like in, in his situation where it's, you know, it's, it's a family business. It's not like he bought this team because of some great off the field, you know, business success. I mean, like the amount of money you rack up as an NFL owner, like you you don't walk away from that. And so I no, I, I don't ever see a scenario where Mark Davis is like, okay, yeah, Tom Brady, you're now the controlling owner. Um, just no how, no way. I mean, I mean, but it, it's not a, it's not a dumb move bringing Brady in. I mean, you, you know, you are going to just by kind of association that that's probably going to bring a little respect around the league. And, you know, certainly he's a guy that uh, is going to have some ideas about how to build a winning program, but no, I do not see this is some grand plan by mark to eventually have tom brady take over gain extra respect around the league and him just sit there in the front row at allegiant stadium and uh, and turn into a fan one question that i did have kind of flipping this question a little bit what would happen if and it's kind of a weird way to work this but like since mark davis doesn't have any kids what is the line of succession, succession for plan? the raiders like what happens if so, that not, not trying to like put weird energy out there but like what 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 is like what happens in, in by nfl rule like does the team just go up for sale or yeah i mean 
yeah, I mean, it's him and his mom, um, who I'm not sure exactly how old Carol is, but, um, you know, it, it's him and his mom that own the team. So I don't know that there's a publicly known succession plan with, with what happens. I mean, obviously, um, eventually it, it becomes just Mark and, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Some, uh, you could see, do you see Mark get, uh, get married to, uh, married to somebody in the next, you know, 20 years who, uh, suddenly is able to take over the team. I don't know. That's a question that you got to ask Mark next time you talk to him. So, hey, what happens if you die, dude? <laughs> Who's going to take care of oh, Who's going to oh, take over the Raiders? No. I mean, like, Tashad was trying his best to, like, to put it in a delicate way. It's head just goes, just throws the delicate up the window. What happens if you die, dude, is insane. No, but I guess the Raiders could become available at some point. Does Mark Davis adopt Tom Brady, make Tom Brady his adopted <laughs> son, and Tom Brady this is, off is the, the succession plan? This is so off the rails. <laughs> The Patriot way, the fool, that's the full ingratiation right there. All right, let's move the hell on from that. Uh, Aiden G wants to know, any word on how the offensive line lineup is shaping up? Does it seem like Jermaine Illuminor will be the right tackle come preseason, or will they be looking at Brandon Parker or Thayer Munford to take over that role while Illuminor kicks inside? I mean, throughout practices so far, it seems like it's a lot of Illuminor. Like, obviously, it's OTAs. Like, there's no real depth chart this time of year, but... I don't know. I, I, I definitely don't think he has like a a strong hold on the job though. Like if Parker has a really strong training camp, or even Mayor uh, uh, Munford, who I thought he was okay when he came in in junctures last season at right tackle, and even in that that jumbo tight end role. Like I think there was there was more there than than you probably would have expected for a seventh round pick. And so if Illuminor struggles, I think a window could be open for for Parker or Munford to step in. But I think for right now, it seems like. Illuminor is, is still a favorite at, at right tackle. Parker was the starter before he was injured last season. So they obviously like Parker and they brought him back. But if, you know, Mumford, like you guys said, he played decent when he, he, he got in. So if you have a young guy that's playing around the same level as the veterans, you start the young guy and see what he can do and see how he, he develops. So that'll definitely be an interesting battle to look out for. And, if Illuminor doesn't start at right tackle, he probably kicks a, kicks in a right guard. You know, if the young guy does win, um, then you have a, a prospect to develop, and you don't, you know, his ceiling might be a little bit higher, and that end up will probably end up helping the offensive line if Illuminor does kick in. So that's something to watch out for in training camp. That's what I was going to say. I don't think maybe it's it's a case where if if Parker or Munford show well enough. They can kind of not necessarily beat out Illuminor, but kind of take that spot over so so he can move inside. I think Alex Bars is not really uh, the answer for them at right guard. So I would see them maybe thinking, hey, if we can move Jermaine inside, well, these guys have a chance to kind of compete for this job if they have a you know take a step up. So I, I think Jermaine will be starting uh, somewhere uh, on the line uh, this season. I've got a good off-season project for our producer Brian. It would be to go through and create a compilation of all of Ted's takes over the years on brandon parker because he, he's gone high he's gone low he's gone high he's gone low people people we, really we, want to hear that they really want to hear ted <laughs> win on brandon parker over the years that would be a huge hey, hey man the, the way we've been talking about this this season we might need some shit like that to get through halfway through the season man we, we might have to start coming up with some ideas to fill some space because goddamn it's, it's sounding bleak right now all right, let's close it out with a uh, a very positive question here from Joey M. Any update on the Josh Jacobs contract talks? He keeps retweeting cryptic posts about not being appreciated, <laughs> so I'm assuming there's no good news. 
That's how we're going to finish out a positive. Uh, yeah, nothing new. I mean, I, I think we both made the calls, and uh, it's still kind of up in the air. He has what? Uh, I think it's July 17th. We had to sign the franchise. When he had to, uh, it was the last chance to get a long-term deal before he got to actually play under the tag. So uh, he's not happy, obviously. He, he's not made any secrets about that. But I think he's kind of stuck. So, uh, and $10 million is, is $10 million. But uh, we'll see what happens. We've still got a month to go. But, um, yeah, I think he'll be back under, under the tag is my guess. He told Deshaun, he said he would play under the tag if the offense made the proper upgrades around him. But obviously he doesn't feel that way because he doesn't, seems like he doesn't want to play under the tag right now. Yeah, I will say, like, Josh hasn't participated in OTAs, I don't think, since I've covered the Raiders so like he probably wouldn't be out there right now anyway he's got a new number number eight so he's he's he's, he's envisioning himself in a Raiders jersey obviously you know thinking about his new digs so uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the field um, for the Raiders this season it seems unlikely that a long-term deal gets done like it just doesn't really make sense for their timeline like if they were in a position where they're going for it this year and trying to compete then sure you know go ahead why not um lock him up for the next couple of years, but like since they're probably not going to be that good, just keep him on the roster with the franchise tag. And and like Vic said, I mean, he doesn't really have any recourse. Like I, Josh doesn't strike me as he's too much of a competitor to to be a guy to you know pull like a Le'Veon Bell situation where he just sits out for a year. Like it's it's really hard to see him doing that, no matter how upset he is. Um, kind of like you know with with Devonte, like I don't I don't think he's ever going to wane off in his effort, even if he ends up being upset. And so. He'll be on the field this year. Um, I, don't, I don't envision him getting traded or sitting out. So uh, I would just implore Raider Nation to, to calm down a little bit when it comes to Josh. And the important thing to remember with him is because he has not signed a franchise tag, this is not a situation where, you know, say Khalil Mack, where he, you know, it was a fifth-year option and he was under contract and, you know, he's a holdout. Josh is not a holdout. He's not under contract. He's not, doesn't count against the Raiders roster right now. He If he doesn't, come at the start of training camp he's not going to be fine it's a very different situation like you know where when you're not we just haven't signed that franchise tag because they can't find you you're not really on the roster on the team right now so um, his leverage point is that I don't have to show up and you're not going to be able to take any money away from you and you know I have the franchise you know obviously they could re- their leverage point is they could rescind the franchise tag offer I we don't expect that to happen but that is the thing is he doesn't he's not risking fines by not showing up especially right now it's voluntary but even the mandatory minicamp he doesn't have to come because he's not on the roster he's he's not going to lose any money um not going to get fined if he uh you know if he doesn't show up at uh at, at the start of training camp he could just you know hey take his time maybe a week or two into camp say all right fine sign the tag i'm ready let me get ready for the season doesn't have to worry about playing in the hall of fame game this year so uh we don't have to get him ready for the hall of fame game Vic's going to send us out with some positivity. Vic, tell us a reason to be optimistic right now. Um, because, clearly, um, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler come from a long line of winning with the Patriots. And so... You're, you're, start, you're starting off your note about why to be positive with Josh McDaniels. Do you think that's going to get everybody uh, feeling positive? I really, I mean, like, that's what Mark Davis is counting on. So that these guys know what they're doing. And if they don't, then... I mean, obviously, everyone's screwed, but uh, you hope that they do know what they're doing. This is their first real draft class, so hopefully these guys can make an impact. Um, there's your positivity. So it's all about uh, getting their own guys in. they got some more former Patriots in, which is uh, which is great for familiarity and exciting um, football. So, yeah, let's get fired up. What young guy has stood out at OTAs? 
Has there been a young has there yes, been sir? a young guy or some you know under the radar guy that st- stood out in OTAs? Well, because of their clever design at practice, where the media has to stand five thousand meters away from everything, I have no fucking idea who's performing well, so I can't tell you. But but the good news is next week from June sixth to eighth is mandatory minicamp, so I. Th- Think Vic is gonna be here? Yes. Yeah, I'll no? be, I'll yes. Be in the house. Vic is gonna be here, so we'll have four eyes instead of two to try to four decipher, eyes. you know, these little dots moving around on the field, fucking three hundred feet away from us, and see if we can see something. So maybe over the course of those three days next week, between Vic and I, we will have some concrete practice observations for you guys. So that's we're, the positivity. We're guaranteeing some nuggets. We're guaranteeing some practice nuggets next week. Vic, will we have an illustration? <laughs> I hope not. I hope it's not. Those are only out of desperation and out of anger. But um, ideally, we'll be able to see something. But um, and like Aaron Rodgers said, it's hard. I mean, OTAs or who, who cares? I mean, right? that's what he said. I mean, but we'll try. I want to go and learn what's going on, see what these guys, new guys, have in store. I mean, I keep hearing, like I said earlier, I keep hearing great things about Byron Young. So I'm, I'm curious to see him uh, up, up close and personal. All right. Well, with that, we will let you guys go and uh, get ready for mandatory minicamp next week, which is mandatory for everybody except for Josh Jacobs. (laughs) All right, Joe. Later. Adios. That's a question that you got to ask Mark next time you talk to him. So, hey, what happens if you die, dude? (laughs) What? What?